Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With. Conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. Well, it's obviously a very weird and complicated and difficult time at the moment for people who work in the theatre industry and people who love the theatre industry, whether or not they are part of it. The interview with today's guest, Carly Mercedes Dyer, was recorded last week when things felt a lot different. Certainly not normal, but not as in flux uh, as they feel at the moment. It certainly feels odd to be putting out interviews at the moment, but I think all we can do is take the lead from the people who are continuing to put shows on as best they can uh, and keep going. Today's guest is Carly Mercedes Dyer, who is currently playing Cassie in a chorus line at Leicester Curve. She is a very busy person. You may have seen her over the summer as Irma in the Broadway transfer of Anything Goes at the Barbican, alongside Sutton Foster and Robert Lindsay. She was cast in the Six UK tour around this time last year, but because of various COVID restrictions, she never actually got to do the show. She's also played Anita in West Side Story at Leicester Curve, Henry in The View Upstairs at Soho Theatre, as well as many other roles in shows including Ain't Misbehaving, Hades Town, Sweet Charity, Dreamgirls, Memphis, High School Musical, Chicago, Dirty Dancing, and Rock of Ages. She's been in a lot of shows. When people ask me what my favourite musical is, I say it's a tie between A Chorus Line and Into the Woods. Obviously, we're only going to be talking about one of those today. So for context, if you've been living under a soundproof rock for the last however many years, A Chorus Line was written in 1975 by Marvin Hamlish, genius, and I firmly believe it is one of the best scores ever written. In case you don't know anything about it, it's set in an empty Broadway theatre and it's essentially about a long audition. And it's usually about an hour and 45 with no interval, so you feel like you're in there every step of the way. The performers each come forward in turn and tell their stories about their lives and their careers as dancers. And it's all based on true conversations and discussions that were had between real dancers and the creator of the show, Michael Bennett. He is the original director and choreographer, and you can spend many hours on YouTube watching videos of previous productions and different people performing his choreography of Cassie's number, The Music and the Mirror. It is legendary. The show originally opened in July 1975 and ran on Broadway for 6,137 performances, becoming the longest-running production in Broadway history until it was overtaken by Cats in 1997. It transferred to the West End in 1976, had a Broadway revival in 2006, and a West End revival at the Palladium back in 2013. The last thing I'm going to say before I play the interview is that there is a documentary about the casting process and the rehearsals for the 2006 Broadway revival, and it's called Every Little Step. You can stream it on Amazon Prime, and it is very much worth watching if you haven't seen it. That's everything you need to know for now. Here's my conversation with Carly Mercedes Dyer. Were you a fan of this show before you got the job? Had you seen it before? Oh, I've 100% seen it before. I think it's bizarre to me if someone hasn't seen it, especially if you're coming from a dancing background. Um, 
So when I was little, I actually did um, festivals like competitions. Sometimes people are like, what's a festival? It's a competition where you go and do like a song and dance or do a ballet solo. And my one of my song and dancers was actually, I'm a dancer from the film, A Chorus Line. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so to actually get to play this part and obviously not sing that song, but sing the other version of it um, is like a dream come true and also mind blowing at the same time. So yeah, I had seen the show and I think... A lot of times you can identify with all of the characters in the show. So it's not specifically just to one. But I think at the moment where I am in my career, I kind of do relate to Cassie a lot. But to go around the houses, I had seen it before. <laughs> Chorus Line is, is a rare example of a show where the major commercial revivals that we've seen, like the, the 2013 one at the Palladium, mm-hmm. they've almost always been replicas of the original choreography and the original direction. This is one of the first times this show's been done, particularly over here, where it's been completely reimagined. So was there an awareness of that when you all gathered in the room for the first time? And, and was there a, a real reverence for the original? 100%. I think you always have that respect for something that's been so iconic. I have never heard that word, word thrown around so much. Like, oh my goodness, a chorus line, iconic. It's just that thing where everyone's just like, and it's a lot of pressure. So yeah. I think especially when you're coming at it from a complete, completely different angle or reimagining, you have to give it its due diligence and have that respect for the show. And I always felt that with Nikolai and Ellen Kane, who choreographed, and Tamara, that we were always going to be in safe hands because it was never going to stray away and just be like, we're just doing something to be different for the sake of it. They were always going to crack it wide open and show like the heart and all the other sides that a chorus line can get lost in. Like one of our cast members said that she um, naively and arrogantly was like, oh, it's just a dance show. But it's so much more than that. It shows like the struggles that people go through. And I think with everything that people have been through, outside of our industry as well, like people that have just been able, haven't been able to work and they've had to stay at home and find another way to kind of like persevere. It shows that everyone has that struggle. Everyone has to find hope and find a means to create the life that they want to. And I think A Chorus Line is one of those shows that it does so much without even realizing that this dance show is going to do. Um, So yeah, I think turning up to rehearsals was unreal in a whole sense because you're just like it's a chorus line and I had this imposter syndrome I had like oh my goodness am I going to be able to do it but then I think I was just thinking to myself when I was out for a walk I was like the job just gets done doesn't it because you turn up and you just bring your best self and hope that you're going to be able to do it and I was like is my body going to be able to do these things and somehow it is so yeah I think Curve has done an amazing thing at kind of keeping the respect for the show but also showing it in a completely different um vision in a way we'll we'll talk about anything goes in a little bit but how long did you have between closing at the barbican and starting rehearsals uh, up in leicester or did they overlap uh they overlapped um (laughs) so we did our filming for anything goes which was like a grueling process because there's just a lot to deal with and you have to kind of like have notes and our director came back kathleen marshall which was amazing because then you kind of condense the show back to like the energetic fast paced piece that it is. But then it meant that you were in rehearsals a lot. And then obviously you're doing the show at night. And then we had like a nine show week and it was everyone's coming because it's like the end of the run. And then the last week that we did anything goes, I was traveling to Leicester um, as well to rehearse for chorus line. 
But what happens is because we do Sunday shows with Anything Goes, my day off means that, oh, I can spend the whole day in Leicester rehearsing. But then it's like, where's my day off? I actually need to lie down. I'm tired. (laughs) And because it's such like a demanding show, like physically and mentally, because you have to go to a place where you're kind of opening up yourself because it is what you do. And as much as you're playing a character, there is like a fine line between you being a character and um, Cassie in effect. Uh, So yeah, there was Monday where I was in rehearsals, Tuesday where I was rehearsing and then go back to London, Wednesday, Thursday, you have matinees, Friday back to Leicester, back to um, London to do the show, Saturday, do two shows and finish. And then you're like, oh my goodness, all this hyped up energy. And you're like that, I'm exhausted. But it's amazing. And I feel thoroughly grateful that I'm able to do like two amazing jobs and um, be in both places, I suppose. <laughs> sure. But that is a lot of geography, like commuting between Leicester <laughs> yeah. and the Barbican. My God. <laughs> Scratching the surface of Cassie alone, there's a lot to deal with. But when you're sort of in the throes of the emotion of a chorus line, especially at the beginning of a rehearsal process, that must have been quite draining, plus the travel, plus doing your other job. How did you get through it? Well, I just kind of tried to com- compartmentalize that if I'm in one room, that's where I am solely. And as much as like, I'm one of those people that if I'm doing something, I want to give my all to it. I'm not just like, oh, okay, I'll give a little bit here. I'll give a little bit there. I just like to turn up and do the job and give my all. Um, so that is a lot of pressure on yourself sometimes. But at the same time, it's like, this is an opportunity that people would literally die to have. And it's like, you can't, I try not to complain too much. And I think sometimes I'm like, Harley, stop moaning, stop moaning. You should be grateful. And at the same time, you have to go, no, because you're allowed to feel your feelings and be tired. But, um, you know, when I was in the rehearsal room, I was like, okay, I'm here. But then I would go to London. I was like, can you send me any videos of any choreography that you've done? Just so I can at least see and kind of like be on the same page as opposed to I turn up, I'm like, huh, I didn't know we were doing acrobatics. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily there is no acrobatics. Um, So yeah, when I was on the train, I did have that in-between time where I could kind of be like, okay, which world am I going to be in? And luckily because we've been doing Anything Goes for a little bit, that was kind of like really eased in and set into my body, although the characters are completely different. So I had like an affected voice in Anything Goes and I'm like, okay, we leave that one behind. I was like, back to singing like a, normal everyday human being and sure. what version of Cassie am I going to be? But no, yeah, I just tried to commit to what I was doing and where I was at the time, as opposed to bleeding them into two worlds into one. I mean, you must have been aching just constantly, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have asked me that, but I'm like, somehow I think I'm just like on this trajectory. I'm like, just keep going, just keep going. And I mean, January 1st, I might be like, oh my goodness, I must lie down for three months. <laughs> I mean, you deserve you deserve to lie down for three months. <laughs> I literally was like, where can I go on holiday if I can go on holiday? Because I think I need to sit down for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one would blame you. Um, so, so when you were in the room in Leicester discovering this show, how much was was how much came together in the room as a group and how much was already on the table from the work that Ellen and Nikolai had done? Well, I think because the show is such a beast, um, Ellen had done a lot of working in the room with her assistants and dance captains and people that she um, trusted to kind of like create a lot of the work. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, when you come into the room, obviously if you do something, you're just like, mm, not so sure about that on that person or, oh, I had this idea and it's not what I thought it was going to be. Then obviously there was scope and she was very sort of like welcoming and being like, okay, what would you bring to this? Because obviously it's all very different characters. Um, but then at the same time with Nikolai, Nikolai is literally one of the most generous and nurturing directors that you could work with because he 
it's just like, does that make sense? Or does that work for you? How do you feel about that? And he wants to get your take on it. He's never going to put something on you and be like, that's what I'm seeing as your character because he's not the one going on stage and having to emote and dig into a character that he's created. It's something about you bringing yourself to it, which is why I think a lot of his work has so much heart and soul and depth to it because it comes from the people that are creating it. So in that sense, he's always discovering like when we're standing on the line, he would say in the montage, because it kind of chops and changes between characters. He's like, what is that? Why do we not finish that person's story? And then he he's not ashamed to be like, I don't know what that is. He's like, I want to know what you guys think it is. Then we can put that in as the means. What did you think that meant? Uh, we just thought it was like a skip forward in time. Like it's, you know, sometimes okay. when you um, are watching something on TV and you kind of like fast forward and it's kind Mm. of like we've seen that person, a glimpse into that person's life and then we fast forward or we kind of go back. Um, So I think there's like details in that where someone, Connie Wong will be speaking and then we'll flip to Diana and we'll kind of be in a different position as opposed to we were just listening to that person and then suddenly that person butted in. It's not that at all. It's kind of like, oh, oh, and now we're at a different moment. It's like five hours later, not five hours because that's a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. So the day that you did Music in the Mirror in the rehearsal room for the very first time, you walk in, how are you feeling? Can you remember being present in that moment? Yes, I can. It was nerve wracking because obviously I had my own sessions. The first week of rehearsals was really hard because a lot of the time I wasn't there. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I knew what was going to be asked of me because it's such sort of like long in-depth and challenging solo. Um, so there's always that thing where you're like, I need to get ready, I need to prepare. And I'd heard that um, some people were just like, what's she doing to get ready? I was like, I'm having a coffee and a croissant every day because I'm tired. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we're going to get there. When it's there, I'll be present in the room. But right now, I'm going to need to take care and rest. But I remember having my solo sessions with Ellen and Lisa Wellham. And it was that thing where we did it in stages. But the first time that we actually kind of did the scene and blocked it through with Adam, the Adam Cooper. Um, (laughs) It was amazing. And I think because we've done so much dancing, it was so nice to kind of like sit back and go, oh, who is she as a person? Who is she having this conversation? And Nikolai gave me um, this scope to be like, oh, it's more sort of like, oh yeah, she's just trying to like get through because you don't want to dwell on this like past relationship because it's already weird that you've turned up. I was like, very ballsy that she turned up. She's not seen him since she just left. And I think the fun of that helped carry me into the more challenging part for myself, I suppose. Um, but Nikolai, I remember him saying after I did like the first part of um, the dance, it was just like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to go into the dance. And I was like, well, it's got to happen. So we might as well get into it now. There's no point delaying it. I kind of like building up and putting it on a pedestal. It's like, oh, so um, yeah. But the first time I actually did the whole thing through, it's that thing where you're just like, okay. Okay, we understand what the beast is, but at the same time, it felt exhilarating to know that something that I'd kind of been like, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to do this? It felt like such an achievement and it's like, okay, it can only keep going and growing from there. So yeah, I still find things like I'll be in the middle of brushing my teeth and think, ooh, what about that when I'm doing the solo? There's always things to discover. It's never just like sits and that's it. You, you touched on the fact that they, obviously, Cassie and Zach haven't seen each other for a while. And this just popped into my head because obviously looking at it through a 2021 lens, mm-hmm. had if this show was set now, he definitely would have stalked her on Instagram, right? <laughs> yes, 100%. Because he says in there, he's like, oh, I did hear about you again. And I'm like, 
here or did you find out were you on that instagram story mm-hmm. just like this oh no she's gonna see that i've looked <laughs> <laughs> setting up a fake account so she doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah i'm like who is that <laughs> um so uh, when when you were doing music in the mirror or when you're doing it now on stage every night i mean this is such a dance heavy show mm-hmm. is it a case of I'm, I'm not a dancer so please enlighten me is it a case of if you think about it too much that's when you're like oh my god i don't know it or do you just kind of have to give in to it it's, I think it's a mixture of both because sometimes I'm in the dressing room getting ready. It's like, this is your quarter call. And then I think about that coming. I'm like, oh no, do I have it in my body? Because you do have that. You know, when you know that there's something hard coming up or that you're going to go for a run and you're going to like, I'm going to run for an hour. I would never run for an hour like this. Oh my goodness. Is it, am I poss- Am I able to do those things? But I think the show sets it up in such a way and the way that we've created this um, reimagining, it means that when you actually get to do the show, we start with like, an opening that's just like um, knocks you out because it's like dancing. Hey, here we go. And everyone knows that music. And then we kind of stand on the line. You're like, oh, goodness, that was a little jolt out of that cannon. And then you have another bit where the montage sets you up for more dancing. And you're just like, oh, OK. And I feel like, oh, I'm warm again. That's good. I'm ready to go into my number. But no matter what happens, whenever Val, Chloe Saunders plays her, is doing her speech, I'm like, coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it, and then I do think in my head, I'm like, I try to stay really present because I'm like, I want to give all my energy and my focus to the person that's telling their story. And then sometimes I'm like, hmm, what is the beginning bit? And I'm like, don't think about it. You do know what it is. You've done it so many times. You know what it is. And then I kind of just go, it is what's happening. It's like, I have this moment to kind of just relax and let someone else take the floor. But as soon as he's like, Cassie's still on stage, I'm like that. Sit by water and I go, well, here we go. But it's so, I love it because I get to start by having a conversation with Adam, which is amazing because the show is so isolated in some ways that you're just always in your own headspace as your character and as yourself. And then finally I get to have like a one-to-one and a conversation with him and just be like, oh, and it's beautiful to be able to have that connection with someone. So when it gets into the dance, I'm just like, oh, okay. I just get to give in. I try not to get blinded by the, by the lights that are just like shone in my face. <laughs> I did love it when he's like, Cassie, stay behind. And you're just over at the side drinking your water. And then you're like, and then you sort of just saunter, <laughs> saunter back at your own Cassie pace. Like, I'm not giving into you. Yeah, I'm that. Let me take my time. Because I've about that. Do you know what? I actually am going to go outside for a minute. I think I need to get like a nut bar first. <laughs> yeah, like you're letting them go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's funny because like seeing the 2013 revival, that was my first ever experience of a chorus line. And it it definitely like, obviously everything they did, they could have done in 75. But what I loved about this production is, you know, the line is is not there it's it's a light that comes and goes and mm-hmm. and i love how how big the space is that is really utilized with the benches and and the and the band at the back it must feel so freeing almost to have that really like stripped away stage and be like mm-hmm. this is what it looks like folks yeah yeah it feels so epic i remember coming in because i've done um west side story there and mm-hmm. a color purple and going into the space i was like we used to do our quick change in that area there that's just exposed that the audience could see. We used to stand there and wait to come on. We'd stand there with the mannequins coming on for West Side Story. So the space is so transformative. And I think there's something that I absolutely adore about it, especially in At The Ballet, because Sheila starts and then we drift away from the line and we go into our own memory spaces. And I, I remember walking back in the rehearsal room and being like, oh, OK, this is like, oh, OK, a moment that we take for ourselves and we just relive our past memories. In the space... It's so beautiful because the lights and the way that everything's coming in, it's the first time like you feel, I feel like I'm eight again when I go, when I did like the National Youth Ballet and I'd be on a humongous stage and be like, oh my goodness, it's just so overwhelming and just like 
you see the nuts and bolts of what theatre is, not just the performers on the stage, not just someone being like, oh, I'm the star. It's just everyone, the culmination of theatre. And every time I sit down, because it's so huge and epic and the lights are still coming in, I just look up and I feel so small and young and just like that young Carly that was aspiring to kind of like just open herself up and be a performer. So then when I sit there and I see them all coming in, I'm just like, oh, it just takes me back and it's so beautiful. So to be in that space and what they've done with it, because it could just look so vast and just like mm. nothing, but it's so atmospheric and so changeable. So yeah, I think it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. No, I loved it. So when when I was watching the show, the, the number that struck me the most as the most different from from the original is is the musical reimagining of what I did for love in terms of the tempo and the orchestration. Mm-hmm. Do you think that song has taken... I mean, it's such a wanky question, but <laughs> do you think that song has taken on extra meaning during the pandemic? Like, do, are One... you all sitting there and going, thank God we're here? <laughs> 100%. Because... As much as people say, oh, yeah, just do something else. It's like no one does this for the money unless I don't know, unless you are some humongous film star. It's like, yeah, I'm doing it for the money. But even then, as I get older, I realize I'm like, why are they doing that random advert? I'm like, oh, they need to pay their bills. They need to pay off that, that mansion that they've got because it's not all just like roses. I'm like, fair enough. They get their gifts and their PR ads and whatever else. But it all comes down to you do this for the love because I know that I love what I do because it means that I can express myself. I think growing up being so extremely shy and overwhelmed by social situations, it means that I'm able to be like, ah, I can be this other person. And I'm a lot more confident now, but I think what I did for love takes on a whole vast new meaning because everything that everyone's been through in the pandemic, as much as you could have trained to become something amazing that makes so much money, we're still here. And we're still fighting and struggling and clawing our way back in the most beautiful way. I still think that you can't just like turn a blind eye to everything that we've been through. And this song definitely does strike strike a chord. You talked at the beginning about how you definitely relate to Cassie the most at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at your CV, you've really worked your way up over the past however many years. Do you think it's harder to be patient and and make and you know and play that waiting game these days because of you know social media and we all see everyone else's journeys and what everyone else is doing? So is it harder to kind of stay focused and and, and really graft? One hundred percent. I would say I can only talk on behalf of myself, but I think sometimes because of the pr- pressures of social media and having to be like at the top of your game, I think that's so much pressure, and I think people should really enjoy the graft and the growing because I would not give anything. (laughs) I can't can't imagine not doing like dirty dancing where you get to kind of like fool around a little bit and go on instead of my friend wearing her Marilyn Monroe, like white gloves, she had on marigolds. And I was like, it's hysterical. Like when you're doing these main parts, you can't go on stage with marigolds and be like, yeah, this is normal because I'm like, what is this doing? It's like, you should find, um, like the joy in having those people that are up there and they're showing you like they're setting an example and having that ability to learn who you are as a performer, learn what it is that you feel confident in. And I mean, I never felt felt confident to speak or say lines. I was like, I've got a list. I was like, they're going to know. They're going to know I'm a fraud. So I was like, oh, I just don't want to do that. And I always wanted to dance because that's what I was so heavily trained in as I was growing up and singing and I was like oh maybe I'll be a dance captain and a swing and I did do those things and then I was like oh I think I've got to find 
new dreams. Like I found my um, five-year plan that you had to write when you went to drama school. Just like, what are your aims? When I was reading it, I was so proud of this person. I was like, oh my goodness, I've done those things that I wanted to do. And it wasn't about me being like a star, but I was like, I've done the things that I set out to do. And now I'm able to go, okay, what do I want to do now? What is it that I want to achieve? And I think as long as we keep reevaluating and checking in with ourselves, that it's a beautiful thing to go. Don't just go along for the ride or what someone says, you should do this. I just never understand why people go to college or to drama school to be told, oh, learn all these things, learn all these amazing skills. And then come out and they're like, you do this. Just this one thing. It's like, why did I spend all that time learning everything? So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's really hard for people at the moment because there's such a pressure on social media saying that you should be doing amazing things. You should be doing this. But I think we should celebrate the small wins, the big wins, everything that comes with it, even just turning up to an audition and putting yourself out there because not every day can you do that. It's, it's a struggle. It really is. Absolutely. Um, I have questions about anything goes. Mm-hmm. Um, many. The first, the first <laughs> one, uh, the first one being, what's it like knowing you stole the show from two-time Tony Award winner Sutton Foster with one <laughs> number? Oh dear! I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Brought the house down every time I saw it. <laughs> because she is a card. She's up to no good. That's what it is. She comes, she goes, she sprinkles a little bit of stuff and then she's like, I'm out. <laughs> and she goes and has her, <laughs> her coffee and a croissant. She's like, ah. Because <laughs> you never uh, know when she's going to pop up again. That's what it is. Oh, uh, when you popped up in the lifeboat, I <laughs> lost my mind. Lost my mind. Um, no, but, but seriously though, like working with legends like Sutton Foster and Robert Lindsay, it felt like the show of the summer, I think, to a lot of people in the industry and just regular theatre goers as well. Yeah, I think especially because of the year that everyone had been through and just everything was such like doom and gloom and rightly so like we had a lot to deal with and like cope with just like understanding like who you are without being a performer because the world is just like yeah we don't need that right now but we really did we really needed that escapism we needed that comedy and I think Mm. that's why the show did so well because you had these world-class talents on that stage being absolute plonkers when you think about it <laughs> I was like there's a whole scene where we're going on about a stuffed dog where is cheeky and I think it was so classy and everything that Kathleen brought to the show was just beautiful and like the costumes everything about it was just chef's kiss chef's kiss it absolutely was absolutely <laughs> was um did you when you were in the rehearsal room for that obviously this show there are previous iterations of the script and you know slightly problematic issues with it was mm. any of that addressed or was it just here's the new version this is what we're doing oh no 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 not at all um so we came in and it was very sort of open an open forum for us to kind of say oh i don't think that's okay and i think sometimes where our own lived experiences can highlight different things that was the beautiful thing because we had so many different people in the show that meant people to go "Mm, that doesn't sit comfortably I know that someone from my family might come watch and be like oh and I I remember me personally because my role is so she's a floozy in a sense because she's like who am I having next I was like oh is that how I want to portray myself as a black woman in the industry just like just out there doing whatever but it wasn't that it was just She's having her fun. She's taking control. And she's like, I get to dictate who I have in my lifeboat, who I have on this this ship. So it was a sense of empowerment in the fact that it was a collective view and there were open discussions to these things. So it wasn't just like, here's a carbon copy. How was it bonding with everyone? You know, first job out of lockdown, I guess. You know, did you all come together quicker, do you think, than if, if, if 
the pandemic had never happened? We are a really, really tight cast and everyone, you know, when you think, oh, there's no one in the cast, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. And I don't know what that, I don't actually know what that is because obviously coming out of pandemic, we were all very separate. We had our own chairs around the room. And I think, especially for my character, because I come and go, I wasn't in rehearsals as much as everyone else. And then people are like, oh, how have you been? I was like, yeah, how's it going? Because I hadn't seen anyone. And because they're like, oh, we've never seen that scene. Or we'd go to another room to do these things. So I don't know if it was the piece, because it was such a joyous, comedic um, production. But then when we all got together later on, when we were in like our wardrobe village, getting changed and things, we all got really close. So I don't know if it was the fact that the show had such joy within it that it just kind of like filtered into all of the company, but it was such a great company. I, I just don't really know how, how that happened considering we had to be like separated. <laughs> how did the show evolve or how did, how did the company evolve when Sutton left and Rachel York came in? I think it was this like, breath of fresh air because we knew like oh we know that this show is like the toast of a town we're doing amazing about that oh my goodness we've got golden stars and then I think because Sutton is like such a force and this this amazing talent that was like grounding the show and like keeping the ship's helm I think when we had Rachel come in it was so um bizarre to see it done in such a different way like she mm. truly is an evangelist and I remember sitting there when she first came, she was like brothers and sisters and being like oh my goodness I am ready to go to church and you never expect those things because you're like oh I've seen it done this way and that's amazing and then suddenly I was like oh my goodness you are giving me so many different things like she is a woman of the earth it just like radiates out of her and just like her speaking voice I was like oh my goodness and the liberties that she took with like the time and the music it just gave the show a whole different turn and spin on it and I think that was something truly amazing to experience for us as a company when we already knew like oh apparently this is a winning remedy but then it's like but actually you can have this as well which was beautiful too so yeah it was amazing did, did the change in Reno change how you did anything as Irma not me specifically because there's only one time that I actually see her on stage mm -hmm. which is when I'm yeah. saying I'm cursed with sex appeal but I did when I first kind of was in the rehearsal um put in for um Rachel as Reno I was like, oh my goodness, maybe I've got up my game because she's a woman of the earth as well now. I was like, oh my goodness, worldly. But I was like, we can have two feline ladies. Come on, it's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. You touched on the filming process a little bit earlier, but did you have to do lots of like pickups and onstage filming extra to the performances that were filmed? Um, we did one day uh, where we did do pickups. I was the first, first of the day. I was like, I think I sang Bloody Beware maybe two or three times. You know, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, why am I the first one? I was like, we could do me like in the middle when people need to get changed. But it was actually really, really fun. And um, yeah, they did. I think they did. What's the number? Sam and Nicole. Easy to love. Oh, yeah. I think easy to love and maybe the lovely they did a fair few times, which I was like, oh, my God, they're going to be knackered. They're going to be exhausted. And then you've got to do the show again. But knowing what we produced, it's all worth it because it looks stunning. It literally looks amazing. So you've seen, have you seen it? Yes, I saw it uh, maybe a week ago. And okay. it was only me and two other friends that are in a chorus line with me. So we had cinema to ourselves. I was like, oh my goodness, it was so cool. And also it was so nice knowing that I kind of like jumped ship really quickly into a chorus line to go, ah, oh, look at all of my people. But I've just left and it feels like 
I left them about 10 months ago and it's only been two minutes. Um, so yeah. it's so nice to kind of like relive that and go, ah, oh, kind of like put a little bookmark in where I left them. So yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, because it must be hard to leave a job and when, you're, when you've already started the next job because I guess you don't get that minute to just kind of go. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And especially when like I knew that we finished on the Saturday, I would have Sunday off, but then I was going to be traveling to Esther. I needed to pack. And I was like having to pack up my dressing room. There's always that thing where you're like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do all of these things. I wish I could just enjoy everything and not have to like run around and get my poster signed and my program signed. But I wouldn't change it for anything. And it was a really beautiful moment to go, oh, actually I did have moments to kind of stay with them, enjoy like our after show drinks and like get togethers and kind of like say goodbye. But, you know, it is what it is. It is the beauty in what we do that you have to go like, keep going, keep going. And I get to see them when I get back. <laughs> And are you going to watch it on Boxing Day with your family? Is it Absolutely. going to be an event? Absolutely. Yes, I am. About that. I'm on the beeb. I'm on the beeb on Boxing Day. <laughs> it's crazy. I wanted to ask you about Six as well, because I know that that was a big thing um, last year, wasn't it? That you, mm-hmm. you were cast as, as Jane Seymour. But am I right in saying it never, you never actually got to, to perform it? No, I rehearsed for a week on my own with the creatives in London then the queens came to join me on the second week and it was all very um intense I was like oh my goodness they all know the show and I don't know what I'm doing I was like oh and then the third week we went to Salford to check and I was in costume I had my in-ears in I had the bike and I was like I'm not gonna clue what I'm doing and then they're like we're gonna go home because they're in tier three and then we'll come back um hopefully before the new year then Christmas happened they're like we're not going back We'll wait until the new year. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'd already booked um, Anything Goes in March. So like, we're going to start in March. I was like, oh, no, because oh. I had to get on that ship. Um, I had to get on that ship. So, yeah, it didn't work out. Um, so I was only contracted for a small amount of time. But, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID, COVID ruined that. I didn't get to be yeah. a queen. <laughs> will, will we ever get to hear you sing Heart of Stone? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. It's very it's, hard. It's, yeah, I mean, how how was that emotionally, like dealing with the, in the throes of, oh, am I going to get to do this? Am I not? Because you must have been aware that there was that countdown clock to your next job. Yeah, yeah. It was really bizarre. And I think as well, you're like, you put in so much work and people have invested so much time in you, costume makers, everything, like making in-ears and just spending that money. And then to know that you're just like, oh, and I felt so, I felt so terrible because I was like, oh my God, I've met all these wonderful queens people have had their support people already made me fan art I was like I've even graced the stage what's going on and it was just like such a huge buzz and then to be like oh gosh time is whittling away and I was like COVID please do one but I will never forget the support and that rehearsal process because it was amazing and I mean I hope that I wasn't too stressed out or just like um (laughs) a rabbit in headlights when I was in those rehearsal processes but I just always like to do what I'm doing and not let anyone else down. So like, I don't want to let the, the Queens down. If timing allowed in the future, would it be something that you'd love to revisit? 100%. Who doesn't want to be a pop princess queen living her best life? <laughs> and, and Seymour and Seymour is the best one. Oh, I love that. I think. I don't know. I, I, lo- I think it's the best song. I love it. I love her. I love her. When I was doing my research and we were having like our talks, I was like, yes, she is intelligent. She knows what she's doing. I definitely have to ask you about The View Upstairs because I loved that show and I was one of the, I was very lucky to see it um, in summer 2019, which feels like a lifetime ago. A lifetime ago. I'm like, who is that person? Who am I? <laughs> I know. And I think that was that was the first like main role I saw you in because I, I saw you in things like Memphis, but mm-hmm. you know, this was the first time I was like, 
hello <laughs> with, you know you with the unlimited range belting like up into uh, i don't know the stratosphere that, Wait. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i remember that press night it was like a thousand degrees in the theater yeah i just i just don't know how old have you got through it it must have been <laughs> hell i mean and also i barely left the stage like i just went off to kind of sweep something up and then i come back in so did you have a the... fan under the bar <laughs> i wish i did i didn't actually and I think they did have, there was like a bucket of ice. I can't remember what that was for though. So yeah, but I was always there like actually making drinks. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that very method, apparently. Um, but no, yeah, that show was electric. It was, that's another show actually. Another show where I didn't really leave the stage. I was barely off. Mm. Apparently I don't like to leave the stage. I just like to get all my airtime there. So that she's still here. <laughs> Who can blame you? Oh, that's still me. <laughs> <laughs> the thing was with that show, like I remember that the music is so it's really different like it's when you were hearing it for the first time how how did it affect you because I remember when when I, I was doing some press for it and they emailed us all the music before we saw the show and they were like hmm. oh the composer wants you to hear it before you see it that's and I, cool. that's such a rare thing um and the thing is I feel like once you've heard them they are such earworms but yeah yeah because they are because they are quite different I feel like if you were seeing the show cold you might be kind of like I don't know how I feel about this yet yeah until, yeah like you've sort of had time to digest it yeah yeah I suppose when we were in rehearsals and I had heard some of it and obviously when I had to do my self tape for um World Behind These Walls I was like ah this sounds very hard <laughs> I remember recording my self tape I was in Colchester at the time doing it misbehaving and they're like Carly just get something in I was like okay okay and I remember singing it you know you're like oh be fine I'll just whack it out you can't whack it out <laughs> and I was like I'm gonna do it in stage by stage I did the first one I was like okay that's done then I was like let's do the next bit came to the last bit which is like the bit where she's really building up there and I was like mm. ah! oh god and there's like video footage of me being like ah. <laughs> <laughs> literally it's like I can't do it and I think I rang my agents be like I can't do it I literally can't sing it it's too much it's too high and then somehow I managed to do it and it was I don't know I think the emotion and Max's amazing like writing really helps carry you there and like the story and what you're saying really kind of like impacts you so I think it's an amazing thing actually that you heard the music before you came in so that you got to the resonance of and the heart of the story without being like mm. hmm, I don't this isn't really getting me because sometimes you only need to hear things like a couple of times to go oh okay so I think that's really cool actually that they did that yeah because I remember Andy's song in particular like the time signatures and the key signatures were all over the place so yeah, yeah. I was really glad I'd heard that because I think the first time I listened I was like hang on I need to really concentrate <laughs> yeah I can't drift off you're like what is going on and I think yeah. a lot of the time when people are doing new musicals sometimes the things are kind of like off kilter or a bit abstract people go oh I just don't know but it's like you just need to take a minute you just need to take a minute and then you'll be fine so yeah I Absolutely. think that's a really intelligent thing to do actually well, they, they just panic when it's not familiar and they get mm. scared and then that's why they just go and buy a ticket to Les Mis again. Yeah, and they're like, time. I didn't like it. And you're like, that. you just didn't like it because you didn't know it. And it's like, just give it a chance and then you'll like yeah, it. Absolutely. Trust yeah, me, you like totally, it. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you did a lot of ballet and dancing when you were a child. So when did you discover that you literally could belt to the top of the keyboard? Uh, <laughs> um, I think, well, because I did a lot of festivals those competitions and there was song and dance I think always thinking that I needed to be heard when I was singing that I would actually and because some of the competitions were in actual um theatres so you'd go up there and you'd be like oh I just don't sing really loud so I think I was always able to do that even though I was a very shy quiet human being as a child but also I did a lot of classical singing so I don't actually know why I'm able to belt that high 
when I was such a quiet person. But I remember being at college and staying after <laughs> school hours with my friend and like singing Elphaben like, me! for no apparent reason and like seeing how I, high I could go. So maybe I stretched my range then. We're being um, silly, <laughs> but yeah. The the classical training. Do you still do you still sort of wheel out the soprano every now and again? Will we ever get to hear that? Um, I don't know. Never say never because I always like to challenge myself and like keep chopping and changing. I never like to just sit and be like, yes, you know what I can do now, like that. Let's see what else is in that little tool kit. Um, so do you yeah, practice but... it? Do you do you ever train it still? The soprano stuff. Sometimes, yeah. If I'm like, if I've got a self tape or I'm just practicing something or warming up then I will bring it out and be like, oh, okay, because I do really enjoy it. It's that thing where sometimes life gets so busy where you have to focus on one thing that you forget what you're doing. But I think it's like with dancing, when it comes to your training, I think ballet is the foundation of everything. So if you've got that technique, then it means that you're going to be able to do other things. So yeah, I do now and then, like out a bit of soprano. Love it. The last thing I want to ask you about pertains to uh, Mr. Sondheim, who obviously we sadly lost a few weeks ago. Mm obviously such a towering figure in musical theatre, but I wondered if he is someone who had a big impact on you or if there's any particular work of his that is close to your heart that you maybe would want to talk about. Oh, 100%. I mean, I cried when I found out. I was like, oh my goodness. I saw someone posted it and I was like, no. You know, you're just saying, I absolutely can't believe that. And um, it really like got to me. It's because there are people in our industry that literally like shape everything that you do or they inspire you and he is and was one of those people and I remember especially at my time in college I don't think I'd heard of him before or if I did I didn't know who he was and I remember hearing my drama friends singing in a concert at Cadogan Hall it's our time and I was just like that song is so beautiful and I remember always crying and I had another best friend at drama school who sang oh it's the song in Merrily We Roll Along and it's a character song and it's really, um, it's fast I think he's on a typewriter. I can't remember what it is. And I remember just thinking, oh my goodness, like that work is incredible. Like the intelligence, the skill and the people that are able to do it. And it's still one of those, like, it's still a dream of mine to do it. And I had written it down in like my notebook. I was like, I want to do a sometime show. I really want to do a sometime show. And um, like whenever I hear the music, it always makes me feel so inspired and like that feeling of that want and just like we've got everything ahead of us and even now at my age I still go there's still so much ahead of us there's no time limit there's no like oh my goodness 30 under 30 something like that it doesn't matter what your age is like if you're 80 and you're like I've just done my first sometimes I'm like oh my goodness it's amazing but um I also remember when I was at college I went to see Sunday in the Park with George and I remember I think I just recently lost my grandma and I saw Jenna Russell and Daniel Evans. And I was just like overwhelmed by just the talent, the piece. And I remember Jenna Russell singing Children and Art. And it literally broke me. It broke me. I think I sat by myself like on the end. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And to know that theatre can do that for people and that he did that and made that. I was like, you know, you're just like, I love theatre. And I really do. I know it sounds like I'm a cheesy <laughs> teeny bopper um drama machine that's like i love theater i love theater and i don't care <laughs> I, I love that you love it so much um i was in um i was in chicago last week on holiday and i didn't Lovely. know that they that they have the painting at the art institute of chicago i didn't oh my know. gosh 
and we flew I wouldn't just tell I wasn't just bragging I went to Chicago um, but, um we we went to this gallery on on Saturday literally about three hours before we flew home and we were just because it was really cold and I was like yeah, let's just go and have a mooch in the gift shop because you know why go and look around the actual museum um and then we saw that they had it and I was like oh my god we have to go and see it and I literally stood in front of this painting and I'm I'm not one to be like gooey or yes. like overly like I don't know like drippy yeah but I stood there and I didn't cry but I just got full body goosebumps and I just stood there and I just had a real moment and I oh was my gosh like, yeah oh I've got goosebumps again it just really <laughs> made my day you'll always get um, it every time you think of it you'll be like oh my gosh well, I, we we ordered a print of it, um, and we and I was too scared to put it in my suitcase in case it got ruined. So yeah. I paid fifty five dollars to have it shipped here. <laughs> yeah, but it's well worth it, isn't it? You don't want to get home it's... and be like, "What's that? Yeah. Why is it ruined? No. Why is why is dot bent? <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it? Have you got it um, now? No, they said it would take because um, this was only on Saturday. So they said it would take like five weeks. I was oh, okay. like, it's fine. It's, it's well fine. worth the wait. It's going to cover you with that. <laughs> Oh yeah, my gosh. And I'm going to do like such a cliche thing. I'm going to put it up on a Sunday with the music playing. Oh my goodness. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> that is so amazing. Thank you for telling me that. Oh, Carly, it's been such a pleasure to talk, chat to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Anytime. <laughs> what are you doing before the show? Um, actually, I'm going to eat some food and then I'm going to go and meet Ronan Burns for a coffee or a hot chocolate and a bit of cake. Lovely. Because I can eat what I want on this show. Anything I want. How about that? Chuck it at me. Donuts. <laughs> I bet. Powered by pastry. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Hashtag powered by pastry. <laughs> you, can, you can have that one. You can have that one. Thank All you. right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great show. You too. You too? No. <laughs> I'm not doing a show. No. But I'm going to go make dinner. That could be a show. Enjoy your dinner. <laughs> If everything goes to plan, you have until the 31st of December to see Carly in a chorus line at Leicester Curve, so not long. I have it on good authority that this show isn't being streamed, sadly, so this is probably going to be your only chance to see it. To do so, head to curveonline.co.uk for tickets. I'll be back with another episode very soon, and in the meantime, if you would be so kind, it would be a great Christmas present to me if you could go and leave a rating and review on the Backstage with Apple Podcasts page. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.